Hey everybody, welcome back. Happy weekend, because we know we all need some rest and relaxation. Yeah, we do. But man, oh man, before we jump into the show and tease it, we want to announce something that's very exciting for everybody who's been asking about our film deadlines. Yes. Well, now we are bringing to you free. If you check out our Crazy Ant Media YouTube channel, you will see that our film deadlines is available right now for you to stream, like I said, for free. Yes, and it doesn't get any easier than that guys if you don't even want to go over to youtube just go to crazyantmedia.com click on the deadlines page and it's right there it will be right there for you to watch so i mean it, it's that simple it's and please once you watch it leave a comment mm -hmm. you know like it or dislike it if you will. we want to know uh, you know and, and, and tell us what you think because that'll help us get the word out there even if you don't like it we would appreciate the feedback because we want to start a conversation. Exactly. So, you know, either way, check it out. Exactly. This is our first film. Of course, it is near and dear to our heart, but we know how the industry is and how life is in general. Everything gets critiqued. So we want to know what is it about our film that is getting critiqued. That's what helps us get better in the entertainment industry that we are striving for. So please leave your comments. Let us know what you think about our film. It's our first one ever. And man, oh man, I'm really excited to bring it to everybody because it's, we think it's something really special. For sure. I mean, it, it's, it's been doing so well for us. It's been selling and renting really well, mm -hmm. and it's been getting such positive feedback. Everybody who's seen it talks about the content and the subject matter and how it's really helped them to open up and feel more comfortable talking about really uncomfortable situations because yeah. the subject matter is suicide and mental health and gun violence and hate crimes and so many things that are so uncomfortable to talk about, but our film is helping people be okay talking about it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is something really special, and we want you guys to be a part of that conversation. So. Yes, yes, but enough of that stuff. <laughs> Let's get a little crazy with the show. Let's dive right in. What's up, guys? Oh my goodness, it's episode 204. Woo! We're super excited. You guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouth. What's up? Before we tease the show, we just want to say, well, be sure to leave a rating on the podcast. Yes. Comment below on podcast platforms or the YouTube channel about what you think about the show. Because leaving a rating actually helps the podcast get seen more by people who enjoy the entertainment news or people who are trying to break into the entertainment industry because that's what this podcast is about so that they're mingling in a room where it happens that they can have the information to start up that conversation or at least have some dialogue in a conversation because we give you all the entertainment news, all the information every single week that helps you be prepared to be in that room and help yeah. you be like industry savvy when it comes to the business side as well. Absolutely. And we really, really want you guys to interact and do those likes and do those comments and stuff on YouTube. Yes. We have a massive audience on the podcast platforms. We're doing really well there, but we're trying to build this whole YouTube thing and we want more people to come and watch the live stuff on YouTube. And that stuff really helps. It if does. You, if you 
do that. So not only do we want you to do that, we want your friends and family and everybody else that you tell about the podcast to do that. So make sure you're spreading the word and getting it out there because we want really want to build this YouTube stuff up. Yes, that is for sure. But man, oh man, it's going to be an amazing week of industry news. Woo! We have uh, so much to talk about. Of course, like <laughs> we said last week, we're bringing you everything that happened for Marvel at Comic-Con last week. Man, oh man, there's a lot of beautiful things and I'm super excited. Oh, yeah. A lot of good stuff coming out of there. There's a lot of interesting things happening at Warner Brothers, bringing on a legendary consultant yeah. to help them move things along uh, and just a whole bunch of other stuff. And before we get started with all the amazing things, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, we got coffee mugs, we got tumblers, we, we got shirts. Uh, I think we already said uh, shirts, but we have teddy bears, <laughs> of course, anything and everything that you desire, we have. Yes. So be sure to check all of that out. Super excited about all of it. But Disney, as you all know, the Marvel Studios pay panel at San Diego Comic-Con happened after we recorded the show last weekend, and it included some huge announcements, including the new Daredevil Disney Plus series and Thunderbolts feature film. Feige also gave a brief glimpse into what is coming for Phase 6, which is scheduled to conclude in November of 2025 with Avengers Secret Wars. Yes, finally! We feel like they've been leading up to for many <laughs> years now, so which is super exciting. Uh, but Feige says that caps off the multiverse saga of the MCU. And so in case you missed it, here's everything we know about the rest of Phase 4, Phase 5, and what is to come in Phase 6. Yes, so we're going to kick off Phase 4. So the next thing that we're going to see in Phase 4, guys, is like literally a week and a half away. I'm so excited. She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. That's what's up next for Phase 4. It's going to premiere on Disney Plus on August 17th. Mm. Now the series, get this, is being described as a legal comedy with a touch of fleabag. <laughs> <laughs> it stars Tatiana Mosolny as Jennifer Walters, of course, Bruce Banner's cousin and does boast a cavalcade of guest superheroes who need a good lawyer who just happens to be giant and green for sure i mean you know because that's how that goes now the panel included a trailer which was released publicly and blew up the internet and social media because not just because the cgi was better and everybody was loving she hulk but because it featured a certain someone charlie cox's daredevil yes. not only was it daredevil but he was in his iconic yellow costume guys and gals how fucking awesome is that the first footage was also recently debuted this week and showed jennifer breaking the fourth wall and if you guys didn't know this she actually did that in the comic books too the panels where she would turn and talk to the readers so this is just something that they're continuing straight out of the comic books and like Deadpool I think it's going to be hugely successful yeah. I mean uh, the footage was hilarious she turns and says listen I don't want you guys to think this is going to be some show where every week it's a different guest star well except for Daredevil and except for Abomination and except for and she starts listing off everybody that she knows <laughs> is going to be in it it's going to be fucking hilarious yeah I'm super excited which is surprising because when we first started talking about it I was like okay well you know with me not being accustomed to the source material it's always very weary to introduce all of these other characters that i have like no idea about but then the first trailer came out i'm like and eh, marvel could do so much better with the cgi like you talked about and some other things but this last trailer really got me excited not only for daredevil but that 
that sitcom aspect. Yeah. We got to see her interacting with Bruce, her cousin, which I thought looked amazing. And I thought their dynamic back and forth is going to be really good. Mark Ruffalo is just always a beast. For sure. Um, but I'm super excited about it, so I'm pumped for next month. Now, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is everyone drying their tears because, man, oh, man, <laughs> I watched it at least 10 times. Oh, and I know sure. you have as well. Uh, and they that will conclude Phase 4. Now, that's debuting in theaters November 11th. And Namor, who's played by Tanach Herta, uh, was also confirmed to be coming to the MCU, as well as the Kingdom of Wakanda reels after the aftermath of the one and only T'Challa because of the late passing of the king himself, Chadwick Boseman. Yep. Joining the cast are Dominique Thorne, who is playing Riri Williams, yes. which if you guys follow a the Funko Pops account, maybe they kind of leaked what her costume is going to look like, <laughs> at least in this first one. Uh, we got Michelle Cole for Anika, uh, Mabel Kanida for Namora, and uh, Alex Levinani uh, as Atuma. Now, the Black Panther Wakanda Forever teaser trailer featuring heavy footage of Namor nabbed about 172 million views in its first 24 hours. Woo! I got to say, 100 million is probably me. Um, <laughs> now, it's becoming one of the most Marvel Cinematic Universe top trailers so far in its debut superhero movie. Now, the Wakanda Forever teaser viewership nearly doubled the 88 million of the original Black Panther teaser uh, garnered in 2017. Now, the teaser also set social media ablaze with topics relating to Black Panther garnering over 893,000 mentions of Chadwick Boseman, Namor, uh, Shuri, T'Challa, Ryan Coogler, and Angela Bassett all became national trending topics after the teaser's debut. And the hashtag Wakanda Forever held the number one trending spot for over five consecutive hours. Of course. Which, you know, I mean... Everybody reports what's happening around the world in fucking on Twitter. So, I mean, that's a huge thing. But, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. People were talking about Oscar contender for the first one. I'm pulling for it for the second one. I think that's got a serious shot, especially when it's being released. And, look, there yeah. was so much to unpack in that trailer. The 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 mural uh, of T'Challa on the wall and the, and the clear shout-out and remembrance to Chadwick Boseman yeah. from that. Um, and then, of course, Namor. We're going to see the the origins of Namor and, and the battle between that. And and I, that was amazing enough. And Namor looked freaking fantastic. He did. Did you guys catch the, the no way it wasn't intended? It was a pure uncoincidental where Riri is hammering out her costume. And it's so reminiscent of Tony in Iron Man 1 when he's in the cave yes. pounding out his armor. Clear shout out to the original Iron Man film. It's just so much to unpack in that trailer. It makes sense why it was just being watched constantly exactly um i can't wait and what nobody's talking about but if you look carefully there are hints throughout that trailer the big baddie behind the battle between atlantis and wakanda is all but certain dr doom mm. so guys trust me trust me that's going to be the reason they're fighting, and, and you'll see why, I'm pretty sure, eventually, but um, we'll keep you up to date on that. I can't believe there's only two more things in Phase 4, and we're wrapping it up. Isn't that crazy? I it mean, seems like it happened like that. I know. It was really quick. Yeah. All right, so let's jump to Phase 5, which fortunately we don't have to wait too long for because it's right around the corner in February. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania will kick off Phase 5 when it debuts in theaters on February 17th of next year. The film will include a 
of course, the introduction of Kang the Conqueror, yes. played by Jonathan Majors, who, of course, was in Loki, but not quite the same character, or is he the same character? If you're a comic book nerd, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If not, you guys will find out through this phase, no sure. doubt. Now, he meets Scott Lang. In the quantum realm, after Scott is mysteriously sucked in there, along with his daughter Cassie, and Hope, and Hank, and Janet. Oh my god. Oh, they're all being sucked in there. Right. Now, in footage screened just in Hall H, Bill Murray did have a cameo as an old acquaintance of Janet's from within the quantum realm, and another Marvel villain in a blink-and-you-missed-it moment, MODOK, mm. made a brief appearance. But... No doubt, all eyes are on how Major's Kang is about to reshape the narrative of the MCU, and we're going to tell you why, because as we keep talking about it, you're going to find out. Kang's a pretty big deal. Exactly, and I mean, <laughs> Secret Invasion is next in Phase 5, debuting on Disney Plus in the spring of 2023. Woo! Co-star Kobe Smulders, uh, who's Maria Hill, yes. uh, was on hand to preview this dark and gritty political thriller, which stars the one and only bad motherfucker Samuel Jackson <laughs> as Nicholas Fury, alongside Ben Middleston, uh, the Skulls, Talos, uh, Don Cheadle, James Rhodes, and Martin Freeman, Everett K. Ross. Now joining them is Kingsley Ben Dayar, Edar, uh, seen multiplying into several uh, identical forms in confirmation or confrontation with yeah. Fury. Now Olivia Coleman seen telling Fury he's past and he's past his prime. Oh. And Amelia Clark seen banishing a gun. Ooh, what does that mean? Um, the overall vibe is one of the paranoia and forbidding contributing to a larger anti-heroic thread that seems to be uh, running through Phase Five. That makes total sense because the anti-hero is going to be the thing, as we told you at the top of the show, Thunderbolts, and we'll talk more about that. But that it seems to be where they're headed with yeah. that one. And Colby Smolders also said that the fun part about this is you never actually know who's fucking real and who's a skull. Like that you you'll <laughs> even they got confused when they were filming it. They're like, wait, are we really this person or right. is it a scroll? Like, so that's gonna be really fun. For sure. Um and then, of course, we have this one. We have the one that caused, apparently, a lot of tears in Hall H, including from the cast themselves yeah. when they saw this footage for the first time. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 mm. will release in theaters on May 5th, 2023. An emotional James Gunn and his equally emotional cast, including Chris Pratt, Karen Gillian, Pom Klemptef, Sean Gunn, Will Poulter, and Maria Bakalova debuted the first look at the final Guardians film, which hinted at revealing how Rocket became a sentient walking raccoon yeah. uh chick woody uh iwuji played by he's gonna play the high evolutionary which i'm so freaking excited about because that's a badass villain and he introduced himself in hall h in character Ooh. and he implied that he somehow plays a role in rocket's transformation we also saw the first look at will poulter's adam warlock and we now know that maria bakalova who has been under much speculation about who she was well, she's playing Cosmo the Space Dog. There so that's go. badass. Yeah. I mean, and James Gunn did say that we he knows all of you all want to see the footage because it was really emotional and apparently pretty awesome. But he's not putting it out there until the CGI and visual effects are at a level where he wants you to see it. So good for him. He's like, no, nah, I'm not putting the shit out early and having everybody Exactly. Amber. I heard what they did to She-Hulk. <laughs> Fuck. That's right. It was like, my shit's going to be good before I put it out there. Exactly. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, the next one is Echo, and that yes. one is premiering on Disney+. 
Plus and Summer of 2023. Nothing new was really released for this series that spins off of Hawkeye, the antagonist Maya Lopez, and her own series, other than the release date and the fact that it is part of Phase 5. We have previously told you that Charlie Cox's Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin have been confirmed to also be appearing in the series. Rumors still around that Jessica Jones and Punisher could show up as well. A whole bunch of different stuff. And I was seeing rumors about uh, actually bringing back Luke Cage and Iron Fist as well. I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah, there is a rumor. Now, we don't have that in our industry news because it's not confirmed yet. But it's looking like they too will both return in their own series. And this time they're going to do it right. It's not going to be separate. They're going to be paired up for Heroes for Hire, which would be badass if that is the case because that's how it should have been done in the first place. Just saying. Uh, Also dropping on Disney Plus in the summer of 2023 is the highly anticipated second season of Loki. There was barely a mention of the critically adored season, but we do know that the series that introduced the multiverse to the MCU is already currently filming and pictures from the set have been fluttering all across the internet. So there's all kinds of little surprises coming up there. So we're super pumped about that. Exactly. And on July 28th of 2023, we will see the return of Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel on and the big screen debuts of Monica Rambeau, who will likely take on the mantle of Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. And Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel in The Marvels. Yes. The film is set to be directed or a direct sequel to 2019's Captain Marvel, 2021's Disney Plus series WandaVision, and more recent Miss Marvel. I mean, they just kind of led into that with that last post credit scene. So it makes sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, I can't wait. So, so my thing is, is Carol going to become binary? And that's why Rambo is going to become Captain Marvel, take on the mantle. Or, I mean, well, is that how that's all going to play out? Or are they just going to go off book and give Rambo a different name? I don't right. know. And it's so interesting, too, because in Secret Wars, like, because we saw... Well, no, she died. Never mind. I was going to say in um, Multiverse of Madness, we saw Monica Rambo as fucking uh, Captain Marvel. But then her daughter is Captain Marvel in this one. Yeah. So would we see, like, a, a re-meeting or... Or like realigning I mean, the possibilities incursions are yeah. i mean we know that so maybe we see all of them maybe we see mom and daughter as captain marvel right. like i mean that i don't know about in the marvels but maybe in secret wars it's yeah weird. we do know that daughter rambo captain yes. marvel plays a huge sto- part in the storyline in the comic books in secret wars so only makes sense that that's why i think she's going to take over the mantle and we're going to see carol go by for sure um all right so what's next after that street level that's right. Feige confirmed that moving forward, our boy Spidey and the rest of a certain group of heroes are going to be the street level guys in the MCU. Well, who's included in that? Blade. Blade will release in theaters November 3rd, 2023. Feige made no casting announcements, but of course it is confirmed that the reboot of the Marvel Comics Vampire franchise with Marcella Ali will be Marvel's final feature for 2023. Mm. It actually starts shooting this October. Oh, it's so exciting. So. I loved Wesley Snipes' Blade, so I'm up until the third one. Uh, but yes, I'm super freaking excited. And we all know that Reba Williams, Dominic Thorne, will make her MCU debut in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And we now know that her own Disney Plus series, Ironheart, will also premiere the fall of 2023. There you so go. we get a little continuation of the character. Yes. Super pumped. And now, continuation and or spinoff. There are a lot of spinoffs of spinoffs of spinoffs. 
spinoffs in Literally. the MCU. But Agatha, Coven of Chaos is set to drop on Disney Plus in the winter of 2023. Now you're going, wait, what? That wasn't what they announced. You're right, because originally it was titled Agatha House of Harkness. What does the change in the title mean? We have no idea. But this WandaVision spinoff centers, of course, on Katherine Hahn's Agatha Harkness and will be Marvel's final Disney Plus series in 2023. So the final movie of 2023, Blade, final series, Agatha. So there you go. So much, man. And this next one probably saw the biggest response Oh, other than uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Daredevil Born Again. Yes. Now that one will debut on Disney Plus in the spring of 2024. Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock is being fully brought into the Marvel Studios fold with the Disney Plus series that is getting an unprecedented 18 episode yes. order for the first season. Now, Cox's Murdoch, uh, who of course first appeared in 2021 Spider Man No Way Home, and his nemesis Kingpin, of course, played by Mr. D'Anfrio himself, popped up in the as the big bad in 2021's Hawkeye. Now, on Netflix, the Daredevil series was far more violent and Facts. bloody than anything that was ever produced by Marvel Studios directly further suggesting that the MCU's Phase 5 will wade deeper into the moral murk than it ever has before. Rumor has it that Feige has already greenlit this thing for a second season. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me That's at all. That's insane. After the reaction. But, you know, it makes sense. because, And he, even him coming out, like I just said, and calling these guys the street-level heroes, yeah. that implies it's going to be gritty and dirty and more violent. And for I'm sure. all for well, that. Well, they've been trying that stuff with, you know, Eternals was pretty violent. I mean, fucking uh, Doctor Strange 2 was really violent. Moon Knight was violent. Hawkeye, yeah. yeah, all of that. They've been testing the waters, so I'm excited. I like it. I like it a lot. And you know what? This one sounds like, just by the name, of it it's gonna be fucking dark and i'm excited about that too up next after that is captain america new world order which will hit theaters may 3rd 2024 now we've known of course since the conclusion of the disney plus series falcon and the winter soldier that sam wilson would return in his own feature film as cap himself but in hall h feige announced the eyebrow raising title which is causing a lot of anxiety and dread and a release date that gives the film the prime position for Marvel's 2024 film slate. No word yet if any of Cap's buddies from Falcon and the Winter Soldier will also be making an appearance, but it seems very likely that Yes. No, I mean, yeah. how can you not have Bucky show up in that? Right. It would be like a total fail if Exactly. Not. I mean, the relationship that they've built over Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and the Avengers franchise. I mean, it's necessary. And you got to have Sharon Carter. Exactly. I mean, come Exactly. On. Well, Phase 5 will end with Marvel's answer to DC's Suicide Squad when Thunderbolts releases in theaters on July 25th of 2024. Feige said he would be talking about the casting and for the team-up film about a bunch of MCU anti-heroes very soon. But if you've been paying attention, they've already been assembling a likely team over the past few years with introductions of Valenta Allegra, uh, Del Fonte, 
Uh, um, Baron Zemo, Elena Boleva, Ghost, Abomination, John Walker, and Taskmaster. Yeah, the only one missing from that's Red Hulk. And yeah. I'm sure they're going to figure out a way to kind of do that. I don't know. Maybe Rick Jones, because we know, you know, the actor that played Thunderbolt Ross, mm -hmm. unless they recast him. But you could conceivably do it with Rick Jones and introduce Rick Jones finally in. Exactly. I think that would be badass. I don't know. Is Ghost, Rest <coughs> uh, Ghost Rider also a part of Thunderbolts? Oh, uh, no, no. No, no. I think he's going to be part of it. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being part of the street level no. heroes. But Ghost, that's the, remember the villain from uh, the first Ant-Man movie? Mm -hmm. That girl yeah. that could phase in and out kind of stuff? That's yeah. who Ghost is. So that's going to be. Yeah. yeah. All right, so of course, where is all this leading? Phase six. Phase six, guys, kicks off with a fucking huge one. The MCU introduction of Marvel's first family, finally, the Fantastic Four. The film will hit theaters November 8th, 2024. Now, while Spider-Man No Way Home filmmaker John Watts recently stepped away from directing the film, as we've told you, and as of yet, no new director has been announced, Marvel Studios says they are full steam ahead on the film. The Fantastic Four and lead villain Victor Von Doom obviously play critical roles in the comic book Secret Wars storyline, so launching Phase 6 with them only makes sense. Now, no word if John Krasinski will return as Reed Richards, but we do know this. Feige did say, and I'm so happy about this, it's not going to be an origin story. Yes. We will not have to suffer through another or they're gonna do like what they did with Spider-Man. We're just gonna say, you guys know how they fucking got their powers. <laughs> You've heard the fucking story. We're just jumping right in and giving you. And he also said he understands because of the past failures that the bar is really high on yeah. this one and they're working really hard to make sure they give you the fucking Fantastic Four we've all been waiting for. So I, I can't wait, man. I'm pretty just, freaking excited. I mean, a lot of the rumors <laughs> going around right now are absolutely amazing. Um, John, Joe Keery from Stranger Things as a fucking Human Torch. I think that would be pretty badass. Yeah, they, John Hamm. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, possibly as The Thing. Uh, the, who, who's the other one from uh, My Two Dads? Possibly as The Thing. So many rumors going. We don't. We just don't know. Yeah, even old boy from fucking You being mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Fan fantastic if john krasinski doesn't come back but we'll see all of these different options in feige we trust yes um but then we take a big jump to may 2nd of 2025 Whoa. for a theatrical release for the next avengers film avengers the king dynasty while there has been no screenwriter or casting announcements for the Kang Dynasty, the title makes sense clears that uh, John Mayers, who plays Kang the Conqueror, will play the uh, central role in the film. And his name suggests Kang did indeed successfully conquer Earth in a Marvel Comics run in the early 2000s. Until the Avengers defeated him, uh, Shang-Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings director, Destin Daniel Creighton is set to direct this one. Now, uh, Creighton will only be directing the one Avengers film and not the second one. Oh, yeah. Creighton is already deeply ensorched within the MCU, having signed an overall deal with Marvel Studios and Onyx Collective in late 2021. As part of that deal, he is also working on a sequel to Shang-Chi and is developing a Wonder Man series yes. for Disney+. Plus, Similar to how Avengers Infinity War set up uh, Avengers Endgame, of course. 
Now, Feige made it clear that Phase 6 of the MCU will conclude with two Avengers movies and that Avengers Kang Dynasty will set up the final film of the multiverse saga. Yes, and that final film will, of course, be Avengers Secret Wars, which they've been building to forever now. It was no secret, which will release in theaters on November 7th, 2025, just six months after Avengers The Kang Dynasty. So unlike what they did with the Russos with Infinity War and Endgame, where they shot that thing back-to-back and they directed both, they are not shooting these back-to-back, and it's different directors, which that is going to be it's very interesting. a huge effort to try to pull this off, yeah. but it's going to happen, guys. Now, Secret Wars obviously points to a Marvel Comics crossover miniseries from 2015 that involves an incursion, and we've heard that first introduced now in Doctor Strange, right? Between the main Earth, Earth 1610, leading to the destruction of both that one and the alternate Earth. Now, in its wake, many variants of Marvel's characters find themselves living in a post-apocalyptic planet called Battleworld. It is unclear and will be for some time how much Marvel Studios will draw from that series, or if they're going to draw more from the original Secret Wars series of the 1980s miniseries that inspired it. Mm. But, perhaps the most important detail in what happened after Secret Wars Marvel comics effectively rebooted launching an all new all different version of many of its most beloved titles as some but not all characters from 616 and 1610 universes found themselves living within a somewhat refashioned timeline now could that be the same thing in store for the mcu will we see our favorite characters now living in this like strange world with all the introduction of these new characters from all these different multiverses i think yes yeah right I think that's how it's going to go down. Yeah, I'm really excited. And it opens up the opportunity to bring back some very beloved characters and some very beloved actors who may or may not have passed away. Please come back, RDJ. We would love (laughs) to see it. Now, guys, if you're keeping track, that leaves eight open dates and slots in Phase 6. Two in fall 2024 and winter of 2024, winter of 2025, and the two in the spring of 2025, and two in summer 2025. We know that Disney's huge D23 event is coming up in September, September 9th through the 11th. We don't know yet what will be announced, but we're betting the film's and Disney Plus series uh, that will complete uh, Phase 6 slate will be revealed along with the director and full cast of Fantastic Four. It's also very likely that two of those films will be highly anticipated and long-awaited MCU debuts of the X-Men and Deadpool. So there you go, guys. You're all caught up with all the things Marvel. I hope you're ready and Excelsior. Yes, and you would have to think because of what we just said with uh, Daniel Creighton's deal, you would have to think that Wonder Man and Shang-Chi 2 will also be part of those you th- blank think. spots, right? Because yeah. we know he's working on them, obviously. So I'm so fucking pumped for the for the multiverse saga. Yeah. I just can't even tell you. I, Secret Wars was one of my favorite all-time comic book series, the 85 one, because I'm old as shit. The 2015 one was good, too. But the original, and I'm just telling you, I know we've talked about this. We see that Hulk is still smart Hulk, right? 
But I want him to start digressing. I want to see him start to go back to the Savage Hulk. And there's this brilliant fucking scene in the original Secret Wars where a mountain is literally dropped on all of them. And Reed Richards starts fucking calling out Bruce about how he's not as smart as he is. And he's not really that great. And he's fucking dumb. And he can't live up. And he's doing it on purpose, if you guys know, because the madder Hulk gets, the stronger he gets. And so by insulting Bruce's intelligence and basically calling him stupid... He's fucking pissing him off. And Hulk just starts lifting that fucking mountain up, holding it above all the heroes so that they can escape. I would so desperately want to fucking see that film in live action. Right. I, that would be so badass. I can't even tell you. All right, all right, all right. Like you said, Excelsior. Oh, man, yeah, maybe a cameo from Stay in the Man. That would be, oh. It would be great. All right. Now, there's other things at Disney besides Marvel. Can you believe it? We have more news besides just Marvel. (laughs) Sarah Paulson, you know her, you love her. She set the star in the Searchlight Pictures Dust, a horror thriller that was originally intended as a vehicle for Claire Foy. The film will stream on Disney's DTC platforms as a Hulu original in the U.S. uh, with additional release plans to be announced. Now, principal photography will begin next month. The queen herself, Claire Foy, had to drop out due to scheduling issues. The story apparently centers on a mother who is haunted by her past and who encounters a threatening presence and takes extraordinary measures to protect her family. Mm, That sounds very interesting. I mean, two amazing actresses and both very freaking busy. So it does not surprise me that she had to drop out. Now Disney Plus's The Santa Clauses is bringing back David Caruzholtz in the role of Bernard the Elf. Now this guy, ah, loved him from the original. Sure is reuniting with fellow Santa Claus actor Tim Allen and Elizabeth Mitchell in the new series. Allen and Mitchell are set to reprise their roles as Scott Calvin, Santa Claus, and Carol Calvin, Mrs. Claus, respectively. Bernard serves as the head elf of Santa's workshop, a stickler for getting things done on time. Bernard can tend to be a grumper, a less (laughs) cheerful elf, but he does it all and keeps it all the other elves on task and productive. Definitely one of my favorite characters. Oh, for sure. And remember the uproar when they didn't initially announce him coming back everybody's like where the fuck is it yeah Uh, so well done by putting him in there uh an aragon live action tv series is apparently an early development at disney plus the series would be based on the christopher paoli young adult novel series the inheritance cycle with aragon being the first of the four books in that series now paoloni will reportedly serve as co-writer on the series the inheritance cycle tells the story of a farm boy named aragon who discovers an egg that hatches into a dragon and he names Safira. Mm. Now, through their bond and the help of their mentor, Brahm, Aragon learns to be a dragon rider, an ancient order that had long been thought to be wiped out by the evil king, Galbatorix. Aragon and Safira set out to defeat him and free the land of Elgishia from his tyranny. So, eh, you know, that's trying to capitalize on the all these kind of like Lord of the Rings and Game, you know, of, Thrones, Game of Thrones like and all medieval this kind of stuff. stuff. I oh, mean, sure. it is very hot. It's been very hot over the past few years. So we'll see if that that heat continues on because it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere now disney plus is developing a series based on the football team from the california school of the deaf riverside csdr and troy coster who did play an um 
Coda. Coda, that's what it is. I was going to say Kodak. Um, Attached to play the team's coach. Now, ABC Signature has partnered with CSDR, their football program, and the California Department of Education to develop this untitled series. The show will tell the true story of the CSDR Cubs 2021 football season when the team went undefeated and got all the way to the California State Championships. The series will portray the students' teachers and families now the writing and production team both in front of and behind the cameras will include artists of the deaf community so that's awesome disney is doing some amazing things i can't remember the name of it but you remember the short that was nominated for an oscar about the deaf football team Mm -hmm. not the same thing because they were in texas but uh, that was so good and so interesting so the idea that we're going to get a series about you know that that's going to be amazing i agree oh man this one just I'm telling you, it solidifies more and more and more. If Ellen stays, she's going to be in a secondary role where we see her far less, I I think. Crazy Rich Asian star Harry Shum Jr. will join ABC's Grey's Anatomy for its upcoming 19th season, adding to the group of new characters that we've been telling you about for the last couple weeks, played by recently cast actors uh, Adelita Kane, Alexis Floyd, Nico Tejero, and Midori Francis. Now, Shum will play Daniel Blue Kwan, a character described as sharp-witted, impatient, and brilliant. He faced a family crisis that interfered with his career plans, leaving him with a chip on his shoulder and much to prove. He's also generous by nature, but competitive to a fault, naturally gifted, and someone who's used to winning at everything. Mm, Very interesting. Sounds like Derek, in my opinion, Uh, but I'm super (laughs) excited about it. I mean, you know, it'll be very interesting to see where this show continues moving forward. Well, yeah, I know you guys have been on board. Like, you kept watching. I dropped off, but it ended right where it's basically like you have to break up this whole thing because you're teaching school and start over. You need to do like a better job of the, of the thing. So I feel like this is just the new group and she's going to become the mentor and that gives perfect opportunity to, for her to be less seen yeah. and these new people just take over. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because at the end of the season that was just current, she the Grace alone basically does not have a residency program anymore. Right. Like so which is crazy because they were known for that shit at the very beginning of the fucking series about 20 years ago. Um but yeah, it is going to be very interesting to see how they move forward and I was actually listening to her podcast the other day. Uh she had Kate Walsh on before she came back on and had did her little stint and she was talking about how she's gone to the same job every day for 20 years and how she might want to change up. So yeah. I think, I think it might be happening. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but ABC has opted out, uh, not to move forward with two of its remaining pilots. Now the single camera comedy, the son-in-law and the untitled drama series from K. Oigan have both been scrapped at the Aww. broadcast network. Both were picked up as part of ABC's initial pilot season slate and were in contention for mid-season orders um, as part of ABC's year-round development cycle. Both were also produced by 20th Television. Hmm. The son-in-law would have followed a salt and earth of the man played by This Is Us, Chris Sullivan, uh, who found himself seeking approval of his new fiance's um, parents. Even as he's a difficult, or even as he's a difficult to impress father-in-law to his daughter's longtime boyfriend, Oigan's pilot would have followed the five therapists in Philadelphia who found unique ways to solve problems in their patients' uh, lives while grappling with their own. 
With this news, ABC has now only ordered one new comedy series for the 2022-2023 season broad, uh, and is the single cam comedy, uh, well, single cam, not yet not dead yet starring uh, gina rodriguez uh which has also ordered the series back in may mm. so there it is that's so funny because remember abc used to be known for comedies mm-hmm. tgif yeah it was like their thing and yeah. now the idea that they've only ordered one going yeah. into the news wild all right jump into fox fox has given a straight to series order to the comedy animal control the show is a single camera workplace comedy about a group of Animal control workers, obviously. Three scripts are apparently already completed, and casting is expected to begin soon. It's being considered for a mid-season slot on Fox's 2022-2023 schedule. A lot of good stuff, man. A lot of good stuff happening at Disney. But now jumping over to The Bunny, which is Warner Brothers Discovery, and they discovered a diamond man. I'm just saying. Alan Horn is returning to Warner Brothers Discovery. Now, Horn, who retired from Disney in 2021, fucking traffic, after a decade at the studio has been hired at a, in a consultant role to help the company new as a, at help the company's newly appointed CEO David Zasloff in navigating the film business. He will start on August first. Uh, the formal announcement comes after reports that Horn had been in discussions with Warner Brothers Discovery executives and had been seen on it a lot having meetings uh, with top decision makers. Now, Horn, who was forced out as Dis- or as president and chief operating officer of Warner Brothers back in 2013 at Warner Brothers, Horn oversaw the Harry Potter franchise and Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, he was lured out of retirement and enjoyed a great second act at Disney, where he was cultivated relationships at Marvel, Lucasfilms, and Pixar to great success. Now, during his tenure at Disney, the studio dominated at the box office Facts. with ease. Nobody else was even competing, uh, setting numerous records in the process. Now, in that time, 20 films that include fucking behemoths, man. I'm talking Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Avengers Endgame, Black Panther. Those all crossed the billion-dollar mark. Uh, three films, The Force Awakens, Endgame, and Infinity War, even surpassed the $2 billion globally. So this is a huge pickup for them. He's definitely trying to figure out what to do. And man, oh man, the Scott, the stock went up the day of that announcement. It still went a little down on Friday, but it's looking very likely that it'll continue rising with the success that Horn will bring to the table. Well, I mean, and the reason that he was forced out back in the day at Warner Brothers is fucking stupid. When you listed those things that he was involved in, the Dark Knight trilogy and all those things that... They wanted to go younger with their executives, which is why he was forced out. When you deliver those type hits, fuck younger. Yeah. Like, that's fucking insane. And then the idea at Disney... 20 fucking films made more than a billion dollars and three of them made more than two billion. Just saying. This guy, okay, this guy is a legend and that, in my opinion, it's the only smart move Zasloff has made since this merger. Yeah. And it's a brilliant move and if anybody, I don't know how the two guys from MGM that took over now as the presidents of Warner Brothers Pictures feel about Horn coming. Right. I feel like whatever Horn says is what Zasloff's gonna do. Exactly. And a prime example, like I said, the Harry Potter franchise, but then after he left was the Fantastic Beast franchise, which is the spinoff, not as successful as the original pilot flagship all right so i mean it's just it's amazing this yeah. guy is going to do big things yeah and i mean fuck age i mean this Seriously. guy yeah i mean this guy deserves whatever uh this one 
this one had everybody scratching their heads, I, especially me. I'm like, wait, what? But we have an explanation for you. Jason Momoa shocked DC fans this week when he announced, and the reason, guys, if you didn't see it, it's because it was a mistake. There was a tour. You know how they give tours at Warner Brothers Studios? Well, this tour group saw somebody they weren't supposed to see. That's how this all went down. We're, of course, talking about when Jason Momoa announced that Ben Affleck would return as Batman Bruce Wayne in Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Yes, I said that. Ben Affleck's Batman is returning, guys. Affleck last played the Cape Crusader, of course, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, and he's also set to appear alongside fellow Batman, my Batman, Michael Keaton, in The Flash. Now, according to sources close to the situation... Affleck's surprise return to the cowl is due to continuity issues arising from the release date reshuffling of the two films. The Flash and Aquaman in the Last Kingdom were both slated to hit screens this year, but were delayed until next year. While an exact reason for the delays has yet to be revealed, the problematic stars of those films, Ezra Miller and Amber Heard, probably are touted as a potential reason behind both those postponements likely. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom will now arrive on March 17th, 2023, three months before The Flash, which will now debut in June. Michael Keaton, guys, originally was supposed to cameo in Aquaman's sequel and had already shot the scenes, but per several sources, the test audiences were left completely confused by his inclusion as he was originally supposed to debut in The Flash, but now that The Flash is coming after... That opened the door for Ben Affleck to, hey, wait a minute, hold on, we've still got, I know we're, we're, we're getting rid of you, but we need you to come back right. and fix this continuity issue for us. So that's why, though, guys, so as you guys know, Flashpoint, that's likely the story in Flash, everybody knows it. It's going to reset the universe, and they're going to eliminate Ben Affleck's Batman, and Keaton will be the new Batman moving forward, but they couldn't fucking do that when now Flash is coming after yeah. so you know I, I mean it makes sense yeah it's it's a very interesting thing man. <laughs> dc is very confusing uh but dc the legend or the league of super pets launched this week with 9.3 million on friday including thursday previews and is now looking to open around 22 to 24 million on 400 and our 4300 north american theaters that normal uh, that is definitely not good for a, a tune associated with uh, DC properties that cost nearly uh, ninety million to produce. Um, Warner Brothers animated superhero film is likely uh, still likely though to unseat Jordan Peele's Nope uh, from the perch atop of the off box office charts. So it's going to be very interesting. I think we're in a downward slump for a couple weeks. So. I think so too. We'll it, see. I think so. It's unfortunate that it yeah. that it's doing poorly because you know I mean. Well, even though it'll be number one, but I don't know. Yeah. That's a big cast for the movie not to do well. It is. That 90 million, I bet 70 million of it was to pay the cast. Oh, for sure. I mean. <laughs> yeah. For Keanu Reeves, The Rock, Kevin Hart. Like, yeah, all I these. mean, come on, man. That's where all that budget went. Uh, an impressive slate of A24 films are apparently coming to HBO Max next month, including Oscar winners like 2015's Room. Love that fucking film. And Alex Garland's directorial debut, Ex Machina. Uh, Machina. Machina. I never knew how to say that one, but it's a badass fucking movie with Oscar Isaac. Uh, a total of 28 a24 films will arrive on the streamer on August 1st, time to the studio's 10th anniversary. 
and marking the largest collection of A24 films made available to stream on the platform. Now, much of the lineup consists of films released prior to 2016, when A24 was still a distribution house instead of the full-fledged studio that it is now. Some titles such as Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, 8th Grade, Mid-90s, and dozens more are not on the list of because of prior deals the studio had set up with other streamers. Most A24 films can be found on Apple TV Plus and Showtime, who set up deals to serve as the home of the number of their digital releases in 2018 and 2019 respectively but as those deals do near a close we can expect more titles to be moving over to other platforms such as hbo max and netflix when those collections are ready going yeah to be honest and i mean if you're looking for the very story driven film a24 is where it's at oh, they're, so they're i like, mean they're killing it they're seems, on top right now seems like they have an oscar contender every year yeah i mean it's a- just fact exactly love that uh now rodney barnes has renewed his overall deal with HBO for three more years. Under the new term, uh, Barnes will continue to develop, write, and produce shows in the variety of formats under his Rodney Barnes Productions banner. Now, Barnes most recently worked as a writer and executive producer on the Cabler's hit series Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. There you go. Barnes was credited with co-writing nine episodes of the show's 10-episode first season. The show was renewed for a second season in April, with Barnes continuing with uh, the show as a writer and executive producer. Uh, His past TV credits include shows like Everybody Hates Chris, Wu-Tang, An American Saga, The Boondocks, and My Wife and Kids. All of those are hit shows, so, I mean, it only makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, keep great people. That's what you do. Uh, I know you're super excited about this one and anybody else, too. Do you guys like really sharp, badass visuals? How about awesome, incredible sound that just fills your room? Then you're going to be pumped because next month, HBO Max is going to release all fucking eight seasons of Game of Thrones in 4K Ultra HD, HDR 10, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, promising the most richly detailed video and cinema-like sound ever. The streamer did not provide an exact date yet for when the 4K versions of GOT will be available. However, according to Warner Brothers Discovery, they will be available only to customers on the ad-free tier, which is still just 15 bucks a month, though, so that's not bad. Not the ad-supported plan. Sorry, guys, if you're only paying the 10 bucks, you're not getting the coolness. In addition to all past episodes of Game of Thrones in the enhanced formats, HBO Max will also debut prequel series House of Dragons on August 21st, also in 4K HDR 10, Dolby Vision, and Dolby Atmos. So that's badass. Super freaking excited, man. HBO Max and, like, you know, Warner Brothers seems to be the only platform that's doing that yeah, right now. Facts. So, I mean, ahead of the game with that, bringing you the most crisp. So you were really happy views. about that one, not so happy about this one. I'm yeah, man, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, we have all the streamers, so, you know, I can really watch it. Whenever. There you go. It doesn't uh, matter where they go. You it, find them, right? It really doesn't. <laughs> HBO Max is once again saying goodbye to the fucking franchise of Harry Potter. Fan favorite. You know how it goes. Uh, as of August 31st, all eight Warner Brothers titles will be leaving the streamer. Sorcerer of Stone, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, Goblet of Fire, Order of Phoenix, uh, Half-Blood Prince, uh, Deathly Hollows Part 1, Deathly Hollows Part 2. In the U.S., uh, fans of the Wizarding World can stream the eight uh, Potter movies right now on NBC Universal's podca- or podcast, uh, Peacock, <laughs> um, which added them to their service as of 
of July 1st. Well, there you go. HBO Max will continue to stream three Fantastic Beasts movies, uh, where the or Fantastic Beasts and where you can find them, uh, uh, Crimes of Grimblewald, and, of course, Secrets of Dumbledore. The streamer also offers the Harry Potter 20th anniversary return to Hogwarts special, an emotional return for Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Rupert Grint, and, of course, Emma Watson. The, with the director, uh, with director Chris Chris Columbus and other cast members discussing the films. Of course, that will stay on HBO Max because it's an HBO Max property. Yeah. So. <laughs> there you go. So uh, if you don't, if you get Peacock, yeah. you might want. We've got news about Peacock, and they might need you. Yeah, so if right. you're a Harry Potter fan, go see. What what <laughs> number are you on? Are you still on two? Uh three. Three. Three, yeah. Azkab- so I'm going to have to go to Peacock and like find them and yeah. get the rest Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite one. So, All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm enjoying them so far. I'm glad I started watching them. Uh, hey, you know what? I guess HBO really enjoys Kate Winslet because she is apparently set to lead her fourth HBO limited series with a premium cabler ordering the drama The Palace. Now, Winslet will star in the series, which tells the story of one year with inside the walls of the palace of an authoritarian regime Uh. as it begins to unravel. Winslet will executive produce in the series in addition to starring. So, yeah, if they offer you four fucking limited series, they must like you. Yeah. I'm just saying. Exactly, exactly. And just like Netflix and just like other ones, the bubble will pop on some series. HBO Max has canceled... (laughs) coming-of-age comedy Gordita Chronicles after just one season. The news comes after a result of changing priorities at Warner Brothers Discovery, which its own uh, owns the streamer, uh, just over a month after the 10-episode series debuted on June 23rd. Mm. A spokesperson for HBO Max said statement, quote, live-action kids and family programming will not be a part of our programming focus in the immediate future. And as the result, we've had to make very difficult decisions and end this property at HBO Max. So, I mean, it only makes sense if you think about it, Family and kids, Disney has that on lock. I mean, it's hard to even compete, but if you think about adult content, fucking HBO Max is where you want to go, to be honest. I mean, that's my opinion. But the only shitty thing about this is that they just re-upped her contract. They just signed her to a big new deal. And I mean... Is did they give her that new deal because they knew they were about to cancel her show? Because remember, said under the new deal, she'll continue to be the you know executive producer and showrunner of this show, and then they fucking cancel yeah. <laughs> Samantha B's full frontal. Also not returning to the network in the fall. It is the latest casualty in Warner Brothers Discovery cost-cutting efforts. Warner Brothers Discovery has been cutting back on the content spend for big cable networks like TBS and TNT. To be sure, the outlets continue to feature movies and have added more nights of sports thanks to recent nights uh, or rights deals struck between Warner Brothers Discovery and the NHL. But TBS has been cutting back on scripted series with shows such as Chad and The Last OG scrapped. So it sounds like to me they're just moving forward with like fucking live action shit and they're just not going to do scripted anymore. That's what it seems like, man. It's very freaking interesting. Man, Ted Turner's got to be just fucking pissed. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I completely agree. It's a lot of fucking shit. What the fuck are you doing? Um, heading over to Paramount. Paramount's Top Gun Maverick has yet to drop out of the top five on the domestic box office charts. The Tom Cruise sequel is projecting to slim about 17% uh, from its previous outing, expanding its domestic haul to a whopping 650 million, Damn. guys. 
Maverick is coming close to making yet another dent at the domestic box office all-time top 10. It already ranks in the ninth highest grossing North American release ever. It now looks to surpass Jurassic World uh, that was uh, $652 million and Titanic $659 million in the coming weeks. Now, I got to say, if fucking Cameron doesn't say anything about Top Gun, that's how you know he has a vendetta against fucking Marvel. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, I got to be honest with you, though. I think these are the last two films that's going to pass. Yeah. Because the, the, the next one up is, like, significant. Yeah. When now you're starting to talk about Force Awakens and Avengers, and I mean, they're like way the fuck up there. And I don't think, as as nice as it's soaring, I don't think it's going to be able to take those down. So it's going to get these two more, and then it's gonna, I think it's finally going to see its run in. Um, but hey, fuck, it's a massive, I mean, Jesus Christ, but, but 17% drop after how many fucking weeks? That's just amazing. Uh, Paramount apparently has secured the rights to Stray, an action movie from John Wick mastermind Derek Kolstad. Now, Kolstad is writing the screenplay for the film, which is set to star Masters of the Universe actor Kyle Allen. A director's not been attached yet, though plot details have also not been announced. It will be in the vein of the Rock'em Sock'em revenge thriller types like John Wick, Love which makes sense if it's fucking John Wick's creator. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, some other exciting news coming out of Paramount and Paramount Plus. The revival of iCarly has been renewed for its third season at Paramount Plus. This will mark the ninth season of the series overall. The original show ran for six seasons on Nickelodeon between 07 to 2012. Now, the third season of The Revival will debut in 2023, and it's going over very freaking well. Oh, yeah. So that's really awesome to see. No surprise it got picked up again. Yeah. Uh, okay, jumping over to NBC Universal. Have you guys seen this one? Oh, my God. It was so fucking badass. The official teaser trailer for Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer has arrived online after debuting exclusively in movie theaters last weekend. Now, the world is changing, reforming. This is your moment. That's what Emily Blunt's character as Oppenheimer's wife, Catherine, says at the start of the teaser. Now, a countdown appears on the screen after that. Fucking 11 months, 24 days, 15 hours, 29 minutes. Nolan, as you guys know in the past, he's used that a lot. He loves the ticking clock structure, and it appears he's again embracing that. As the film counts down towards the day, the world changes forever. Which is awesome because it's a countdown to the premiere date, but it also makes it seem like it's the countdown to the when the bomb was fucking let off. So fucking awesome. Uh, the film's tagline reads on the poster and in the teaser, Robert Downey Jr.'s character is heard as the title appears on the screen. He says, referring to Oppenheimer, the man who moved the earth. Footage of fire and smoke intercut between black and white shots of Cillian Murphy as Oppenheimer. Now, Oppenheimer, as you guys know, opens in theaters July 21st of next year. The poster had all the fire and brimstone. Kind of, it's bad. I, man, this thing, it's probably likely the top of the, the best picture pictures, I think. Yeah, I'm super excited to see it. And I'm super excited to have John Papsadera back on the show who cast this bad yes. boy. Because, I mean, <laughs> this guy is so connected and oh, yeah. so well liked. I have yet to watch it yet because I was too busy watching Wakanda Forever. But I'm going to watch it right <laughs> after fucking this. It, it sounds amazing. Oh, dude, it's so intense. You're going to love it. Oh, man. But Book Club 2, the next chapter, is scheduled to hit theaters on May 12th of 2023, just in time for Mother's Day. <laughs> Makes sense. The sequel to the 2018 sleeper hit comedy Book Club started production in Italy earlier this year. Now, Diane Keaton, Jane Foster, Candace Bergen, and 
and Mary Steenburgen are all returning for the next chapter. The ensemble cast will also see the return of Andy Garcia, Don Johnson, and Craig T. Nelson, yes. as well as several new cast members, including uh, Gianna Carlo Viniani, uh, Hugh Korstein, and Vincent Rito. Arita, uh, but man, oh man, I mean, it was a sleeper, I will say. It was a very entertaining movie to watch with us being, I feel like, the only males <laughs> in a theater full of females, older females. And senior citizens. Yeah. We were the only males in a theater full of senior citizen women. It was, yeah. it was, um, they were drunk. They were drunk. Yeah. They were. They I were think they had just it. come from a book club. I don't know, but it made it entertaining as hell to watch. And the movie's really good. So, it is good. I mean, yeah, I, I'm actually excited to see the sequel. Um, Hey, wondering what Conan O'Brien is doing lately? Well, apparently he's jumping to movies. Yeah. Conan O'Brien, SNL star Bowen Yang, Hacks, breakout star Meg Statler, and comedian X Mayo and superstar actor Nicole Sakura have all joined Please Don't Destroy's upcoming untitled buddy comedy, which is set at Universal Pictures. Now, as previously announced, Ben Marshall, John Higgins, and Martin Hurley, a.k.a. Please Don't Destroy, will star in the movie in addition to writing the screenplay. The movie is currently in production in North Carolina, and it's set to be released in theaters on august 18th of next year i please don't destroy school but it's not nearly as cool as team fantastic yeah just saying <laughs> just saying it's yeah but i mean it's good to see that productions are going to other states yes because i mean states love to shoot shit or at least film friendly states yeah so, yeah very exciting uh rick gonzalez from Ario and coach are uh, arrow and coach carter and uh brent antonio from pam and tommy and the jasmine blues have joined the cast of nbc's law and order organized crime for season three now the duo will portray nypd detectives assigned to the organized crime unit so mm. that's very exciting yeah i'm a huge fan of gonzalez loved him as wild dog on uh, arrow so that's yeah. gonna be badass okay so this is why i said that the harry potter films going to Peacock's probably much needed and a, and a good thing for them because apparently Peacock ended the second quarter of the year with a flat 13 million paid subscribers mm. and fell to 27 million monthly active accounts. Now, Comcast revealed, along with its quarter one earnings results this week, the streamer also lost $467 million during that three-month stretch between April and June. And its parent company advises that Peacock will likely continue to post losses throughout the rest of the year. The NBCU uh, streamer's quarter two paying customer total is the same as the 13 million that Comcast reported for its quarter one, mm. meaning they saw no new subscribers, <laughs> none, zilch, Zero. 13 million paid subscribers, guys. To put that in perspective, they launched within a couple of weeks of Disney Plus, right there at the same time. Disney Plus is closing in on 200 million subscribers. <laughs> you know, between Hulu and Disney Plus, Disney Plus well over, I think it's like 140, 150 million now. 13 million yeah it's yeah. the fucking name yeah peacock man <laughs> we want to know like what do you guys think about the name could they have done better like what's go i don't know i don't pitch us to your favorite nbc universal name for Holy their streamer shit, like, yes let's do a contest let's send us your best new name for peacock and we'll send you a fucking t-shirt exactly. that'd be badass that'd like, be fucking great <laughs> hopefully we get some attention from them right shit, come on now. switch it up uh, NBC's Universal head of unscripted entertainment content, Jenny Groom, is exiting her post at the top of the alternate develop 
HR department following poor reception to her recent project. Oops. Corey Henson has been hired as her replacement and will serve as executive vice president of entertainment unscripted content. She will report to Susan Rovner, uh, the entertainment content chairman for NBCU TV and streaming. In her new role, Henson will be responsible for overseeing reality uh, competition, talent competition, and game show formats across NBCU. Uh, and that includes popular shows like America's Got Talent, The Voice, Bravo's Top Chef, and Peacock's Baking It. So we shall see how that it's goes. interesting because Top Chef and Baking It were two of the shows under the other one that they said they weren't <laughs> happy, happy with, with their content. So who knows? I don't know. That's a, but hey, it's not just executives at the company that there's some turmoil going on. Apparently on their shows, too. There's behind-the-scenes shakeup on NBC's new drama. Hasn't even aired yet. Quantum Leap, starring Raymond Lee, Martin Garrow, and, uh, who has served as the executive uh, producer on the project since the development stage, has apparently stepped in as the new showrunner because Dean Garagos also has joined as series executive producer on the reboot. Now, Garrow is taking over the showrunning duties for Stephen Lillian and Brian Winbrandt, who wrote the pilot and will remain on the show as executive producers. The reasons for the showrunner shakeup are not entirely clear. There has been chatter about scripts being late and that the time of Quantum Leap's pickup to series, NBC was not entirely happy with the way the pilot script was. According to sources, the pilot will still air, but not as the series' opening episode. <laughs> the same sources say that NBC brass are now happy with the creativity and what they're seeing. Garrow and Garagoris' new roles bring a steady, experienced hand to a challenging production that aims to deliver on high expectations for the classic titles reboot in a super tight time frame. Now, due to that tight time frame, filming will continue without pause, even with the showrunner change. So they don't like the pilot, but I guess they figured it was okay to show. They're just going to throw it somewhere in the schedule. Apparently. Like, what I the mean, fuck is that? It's like, that okay. type of shit. It's that type of shit. Uh, Peacock has given a straight-to-series order to a gladiator drama series oh. based on Daniel Manick's nonfiction book, those About to Die. Okay. Robert Rodat, the screenwriter behind films like Saving Private Ryan and The Patriot, will write and executive produce. Roland Emmerich is on board to direct and executive produce. Those About to Die is described as a large-scale drama set within the spectacular, complex, and corrupt world of gladiatorial sports in ancient Rome. Ooh. The series introduces an ensemble of diverse characters across many layers of the Roman society where sports, politics, and business intersect and collide. So that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, especially if it's going to be based on like real life shit, yeah. not fiction. That's going to be awesome. All right, jumping over to Sony where there's only two things we ever talk about with Sony, the Spider-Man universe or fucking Jeopardy. Sony Pictures Entertainment has entered into long-term deals that will have Mayim uh, Bialik and Ken Jennings continue to split their duties on the popular syndicated game show while retaining Bialik to host the primetime editions of the show as well as the new Celebrity Jeopardy show expected to start up at ABC. Now, with Sony eager to boost more versions of the program, sources say more than one host was required. Uh, okay. Right? Like, I mean... I personally don't like either one of them as hosts. I mean, I like both of them just... But I just... Nobody's going to replace fucking Alex Trebek for me. I'm sorry. I, I know. Just, they should have just like ended it. it. They should have. I mean, it, it sucks to say because it's so historic and monumental, but yeah, they should have just ended yeah, it. Yeah, I mean... 
Lionsgate, Lionsgate CEO John uh, Feldheimer uh, took a pretty steep pay cut in 2022. Oh. The media chief's total compensation dropped more than 70%, falling from $19.1 million to just $5.6 million. Damn, what are you going to do with none yeah, of that? Yeah, right. <laughs> the big drop is due to his uh, shrinking bonuses, which was reduced from $10 million in 2021 to just $2.8 Eight million. Feldheimer's total compensation included a one and a half million base salary, as well as one million in stock rewards. Now his pay package also includes uh, thirty-seven thousand in club membership dues and twenty-one thousand in security service costs, and two hundred thirteen thousand in uh, incremental cost for a personal use and company licensed aircraft. What the fuck? So while they dropped him down to five point, they're still paying for all of his club memberships. Yeah. They're paying for all of his stock transactions and they're paying for all of his shit on the company jet. That's very weird. Oh, life is so tough for you, I sir. Know. What are you going <laughs> to do? It started off sounding like a story. It's like, wow, you don't hear this very often, but then you realize, uh, who gives a fuck? They're still paying for a shit ton of stuff. Right. Nobody's exactly. paying for my private jet, bitches. The same. <laughs> AMC, jumping over to AMC, the network, not the theater. Kristen Ritter is set for the lead role in the Orphan Black sequel series, currently in the works at AMC. That's exciting. The new series is titled Orphan Black Echoes. Now, Ritter will executive produce in addition to starring. Uh, AMC has given the show a 10-episode order. It is expected to launch on AMC and AMC Plus in 2023. Set in the near future, Orphan Black Echoes takes a deep dive into the exploration of the scientific manipulation of human existence. Mm. It follows a group of women as they weave their way into each other's lives and embark on a thrilling journey, unraveling the mystery of their identity and uncovering a wrenching love story of love and betrayal. Oh, oh. Ritter will play Lucy. I always feel bad when it's always Lucy. Lucy. Lucy is, she's it's always, always causing Lucy. trouble, man. I feel like if you want somebody that's causing trouble, Lucy is your girl. Described as a woman with an unimaginable origin story trying to find her place in the world. Oh, my goodness. Just saying. Just saying. Ever since she yanked that fucking ball out from Charlie Brown, she's been all kinds of trouble. Oh, fucking Lucy. <laughs> Well, a 1980s pop culture mainstay is applauding a comeback. AMC Networks is developing a Max Headroom drama series reboot with Matt Feuer uh, set to reprise his role as the world's first artificial intelligence TV personality. Known for uh, biting commentary, quick and wit manic glitching, the supposedly computer-generated TV host played by Feuer uh, was first introduced back in 1985. Now, British cyberpunk TV movie, Max Headroom. Now, 20 minutes into the future, he became an instant pop culture phenomena um, and went on to host a music video show, star in ads uh, for New Coke, appear on the cover of Newsweek, and headline his own primetime series so we'll see how that goes yeah that series lasted two seasons because he became so over inundated he was fucking everywhere that he just burnt out people were like i don't give a shit anymore i don't really think this is necessary i mean he's still a pretty pop culture icon people always will know but i just don't think this is fucking necessary yeah i just we'll see jumping over to netflix beyond 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 fucking excited for this 
Netflix dropped new stills and the first official trailer for Andrew Dominique's Blonde, mm. of course, the NC-17 biopic starring Anna Diarmas as Hollywood icon Marilyn Monroe. The movie, based on the best-selling novel by George Carol Oates, will world premiere in the competition at the Venice Film Festival. The subversive movie is one of the most anticipated titles set to compete at the Venice Film Festival. The Cannes Film Festival chief, Terry Fremo, previously said that he had been trying to slot it in the 2022 lineup, but wasn't able to reach a compromise with Netflix because, as we've told you on past shows, the streamer hasn't returned to Cannes since 2017 due to the festival's rule that all films competing must have a theatrical release in France. Uh, Blonde releases globally on Netflix September 28th, and holy shit, y'all. Looks great. Jesus Christ. I can't even, like, I have to double take the pictures. Yeah. And I'm a huge fucking Marilyn Monroe fan. Look, look, look right up there. Marilyn Monroe. A huge fucking fan for as far back as I can remember. And I'm having to double take the picture. She looks so much fucking like her. Yeah. And this trailer, holy shit. She sounds like her, which is amazing because she's got such a heavy accent. To pull off Marilyn is just unreal. But And they're going to dive deep. I mean, she's in Strasbourg's theater. Like, yeah. yeah, I just, I cannot wait. And I was worried. Remember, we talked about when they first announced yeah. Anna, I was like, oh, Anna the Arm, she doesn't even look like her. But boy, was I fucking wrong. I mean, holy shit. She's going to win the Oscar for Best Actress. I'm predicting it right now. Right now. She will take the gold statue for Best Actress in a lead role. Mark my words. Yeah, I'm super excited to see it. I think it's going to be really well Woo! done. Um, now, Netflix has also dropped a new trailer for Pinocchio. Director yeah. uh, Guillermo del Toro animated film version of the classic tale from uh, many uh, wanderings on this earth. I, he had, or this is a quote for, from him, from many wanderings on this earth, I had so much to say about imperfect fathers and imperfect sons ewan mcgregor sebastian j crickets narrates at the start of the trailer i want to tell you a story it's a story you may think you know but you don't the story of a wooden boy the trailer follows uh, the first footage from january reveals footage of a lonely woodcutter geppetto a creation of pinocchio and the puppet boy's adventures alongside his creator Pinocchio will have a theatrical run in theaters in November before debuting on Netflix in December. Did you watch that one? I didn't yet. It's creepy. Is it? It's it, 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 uh, I saw back. Like, I saw like a still shot and it was him wooden just I, yeah. straight. Wood. I like you and it's cool, but like as they're calling him Sebastian J Cricket, like not Jiminy Cricket. Apparently that's his real name, Sebastian J. Yeah. But it, it's um he looks like a cricket. It's like, it's not Jiminy with a top hat. It's fucking cricket. I don't know. It's kind of creepy, but then also, I guess, because, you know, all these Disney shit, they were all based on really dark yeah. fairy tales. Exactly. From the so I guess they're just going the actual version of this. Did you ever the watch Disney. the um, the Netflix version of The Jungle Book, Mowgli? Yeah. It was dark as shit. Yeah, too, that's. So. I think they're just saying, okay, Disney's going to do all the lighthearted versions of it. We're going to do the real fucking versions of it <laughs> yeah. from the Grimm brothers. And like, like you okay. Know. So, I, yeah, you know. Yeah. Hey, this one... I, it makes sense to me, but I'm not sure I'm excited about it. Netflix is planning to turn the Gray Man into a sprawling spy franchise. Days after the $200 million budgeted CIA thriller landed on the streaming service, Netflix announced its plans to expand the series with a sequel 
and a spinoff, both of which are currently in development. Ryan Gosling and directors Joe and Anthony Russo are set to return for the sequel. The Gray Man co-writer Stephen McFeely, whose credits also include Avengers Endgame and Captain America Civil War, is writing the screenplay. Joe and Anthony Russo said they had always intended for the Gray Man to be a part of an expanded universe and that they're thrilled that Netflix is announcing the sequel with Ryan as well as a second script that they'll be talking about soon, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was okay. Yeah. I'm not knocking it. I mean, it's a good action flick and it's like, you know, but I mean, I didn't think it was anything over the top. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, I, by on the flip side, I didn't think it was the worst thing I've ever seen. I just... I don't know. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Netflix's stuff, man. They're going way too deep into like these action adventure films. Was... Did you watch Hustle yet with uh, Adam Sandler? Yeah, so yeah. good. Yeah, I loved it. Ah. Like, I mean, that's those type of story-driven films that they need to do more of. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll and see. And talk man. about uh, an underwhelming use of Anna de Armas. Yeah. You see her in the, the trailer for Blonde, yeah. and then you wonder what the fuck did they do with her in, in Gray Man because yeah. she was barely in it, mm. and it was like a fucking awful character. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, did you not utilize her at all? Like, I mean... Well, that's the only thing I got, I'm got. i worried about with Blonde. Like, Netflix is able to put out these badass trailers, like for The Irishman, for example, and then it's like... Yeah, so. but remember, Don, they got in a huge fight because Dominic refused to do anything but the movie he wanted to do. So yeah. I, I'm not worried about because they were like, fuck you, we're doing our movie. Yeah, we shall see how it goes, <laughs> man. I'm hoping good things. Uh, Netflix and Steven Spielberg's Amblin partners are teaming up on... Carry On, an action thriller that will be the first film produced as part of the production deal announced between the two companies last year. The film, A High-Flying Adventure, will star Taron Egerton, will likely be directed by Jungle Cruises filmmaker Jamie Collette Sierra. Uh, the story follows Ethan Kobik, a young TSA agent who gets blackmailed by a mysterious traveler to let a dangerous package slip through security and onto a Christmas Day flight at, at a time when a friendly skies have never seen anything less inviting. The movie mm. could make air travel uh, even less appealing to you, which we don't need that. We don't oh. need that. It's already so hard to travel. We don't need that. No, and I love Taron Edgerton, but like you just said, they're just going all in on these action movies. It's like, can you give us anything else? Look, guys, they're losing subscribers left and right and struggling really bad, too. So this is one they definitely did not want to fucking lose, but they're losing it anyway. Titanic, the Oscar-winning blockbuster starring Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio leaving Netflix as of August 31st. It's among more than three dozen titles that are ending Netflix in August, including three movies in Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible series, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 2, and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Also rolling off of Netflix next month are film classics and fan favorite films like Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, The Conjuring, The Dark Knight Rises, Goodfellas, Halloween, Starship Troopers, and Taxi Driver, as well as all five seasons of Young and Hungry and Wheel of Fortune seasons 35 through 37. Fuck! Is there anything left that anybody wants to watch on Netflix? Right, like, shit. I mean, I don't know, man. It's going to be very freaking interesting. I'm, a, I'm literally only keeping Netflix at this point to watch fucking uh, Blonde. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I mean, everything else is just kind of, and you know, it is what it is. You, I feel like you can just sign back up when your show or a movie comes back on. Right? Like, it's, like just, it's very interesting. Well, Amazon slash MGM's first trailer for 
Till, based on the true story of Mammy Till Mobley looking for justice after the murder of her 14-year-old son, Emmett Till, back in 1955, has been released. The trailer touches on many key parts of the family story, from Emmett's summer vacation visiting relatives in Mississippi and to the unfolded accusations that he was speaking inappropriately to a white woman in a store which likely was Emmett unknowingly breaking an unwritten Jim Crow era rule of the town to his murder and his mother's pursuit of justice, including having an open casket funeral for her son till is set to open in theaters and limited release um, with a limited release starting October 14th and go wide on October 28th. I hope people see this movie because Me too. I, Jesus Christ, I almost cried at the trailer. Yeah. And the scene where she's saying, because the guy is like suggesting, hey, we really need to close this casket. And she's like, no, you absolutely have to keep it open because people need to see what they did to him. They need to see the torture that he, that I just, and remember that made the cover of uh, life and, and changed the scope of the civil rights movement when people saw that. It, it's just so fucking powerful. And that trailer, watch that trailer, you guys. You're going to be like fucking in tears. Uh, MGM, get this, apparently no longer holds the rights to produce the Tomb Raider film franchise, which has spawned three movies, with the most recent being in 2018, starring Alicia Vikander. The actress is no longer attached to the planned sequel either. And Graham King's GK Films is now shopping rights and seeking a new lead. A bidding war, of course, is already underway and we'll let you know on future shows who comes out on top in that bidding war. For sure could see either Paramount or Warner Brothers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so we'll see. Well, Michael B. Jordan's Creed 3, which is the ninth installment of the Rocky film franchise, has postponed its release date from oh. November 23rd to of 2022 to the new slot in March 3rd of 2023. Uh, now, on this new release date, the MGM's third Creed will face against Paramount's Dungeons & Dragons, oh. Honor Among Thieves, which we've already told you Jordan is directing, and the film will be making his filmmaking uh, directing debut. Uh, Tessa Thompson is reprising her role as Donnie's girlfriend, uh, Barcina, and Felicia Rashad is returning as his stepmother, Marianne. Jonathan Majors is among the cast. Anderson Dame is apparently an antagonist to Adonis. So we shall see how that goes. Keeping that Marvel family together. Yeah, right. And Kang going up. <laughs> yeah. That's so fucking funny. Uh, hmm. MGM is apparently also developing a Drago, a spinoff of Creed. What? Robert Lawton has been hired to write the screenplay. He got the job after impressing MGM executives with his spec script, Becoming Rocky, which is about the making of the first Rocky film. Though the studio didn't move ahead with his film idea, it did appoint Lawton to build out a backstory about Russian boxer Ivan Drago, who of course took on Rocky in 1985's Rocky IV. Four, uh, his character's son, Victor Drago, appeared in 2018's Creed 2, stepping into the ring against another offspring of Rocky's rivals, Adonis Creed, of course. It's unclear if Dolph Lundgren or Florian Montu, who played Victor Drago, will reprise their roles in the spinoff of the spinoff. Uh, plot details are being kept under wraps. Why is this necessary? Yeah, I don't think it is. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't, like, you're just trying to keep more of that Rocky money coming, but do we need a spinoff of a spinoff? Well, yeah, and it's, like, it's good until it becomes too much. Yeah. In the sense of the franchise and in the sense of building universes with all these fucking characters. Like, for example, Southpaw. Great fucking movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. 
didn't have to have a sequel. It was great. And it was fucking just leave it there. And yeah. that's that's what happened. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying the Creed movies, but I see no need to to further dive into the story of Well, yeah, of and it's like Drago. I'm surprised that it's getting a third one in my opinion. And it should probably stop with the third one because we don't need to keep doing this. <laughs> There's filmmakers with original ideas that yes. need to be seen. <sighs> But anyway, talking about Michael B. Jordan, his Outlier Society and Amazon have brought um, uh, Jennifer Hutchins uh, as a serve as showrunner on a series, Victories Greater Than Death. In addition to showrunning, she will also write and executive produce on the series, which is based on Charlie Jane Andler's uh, novel of the same name. It was reported as being in development at Amazon in September of 2021. Hutchinson um, is most recently worked as executive producer on highly anticipated Amazon series, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Uh, she is best known for her time as writer and executive producer on four seasons of AMC's Breaking Bad spinoff series, Better Call Saul. So, so she's got some experience. Oh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, this one I think is absolutely unnecessary. I'm not going to watch it. I think they should just tank it right now. Amazon is developing a single camera comedy set behind the scenes of a struggling national sports show. Sidelined comes from comedians Emily Heller and Megan Gailey and Two Shakes Entertainment, the production company set up by Damon Wayans Jr. and Cameron Tarlow. The project is centered around the show as they decide to shake things up by pairing an unknown passionate female sports fan with an irrelevant former pro basketball nice guy and what turns out to be their very complicated history uh guys they've done uh you know uh uh behind the scenes look at a struggling sports show it was called sports night and it was fucking brilliant by aaron sorkin and you don't need to do it again you don't this, this is just a clear ripoff exactly like uh, if you want that bring sorkin back put it on hbo let it be r-rated and give us fucking sports night again exactly just saying oh man well amazon alike all the other fucking streamers are canceling <laughs> shit. The Wild has been canceled at Amazon Prime after two seasons. The drama series revolved around a group of teenage girls who are left stranded on an island following a plane crash. And as soon discovered that it is all part of a social experiment. The show's first season launched on December 11th of 2020 and season two premiered on May 6th. But like I said, it's... No more. Seems like they canceled it because it was way too similar to Yellow Jackets and nobody was watching this one. Probably. <laughs> I could see it. I don't, I don't know. Hey, seems like we've been waiting for this one for fucking ever. We're jumping over to Apple and I'm talking about Apple's highly anticipated Killers of the Flower Moon mm. from Martin Scorsese apparently won't be coming this Oscar season. The Western drama starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jesse Plemons will instead be released in the originally intended 2023 calendar year. Now, you guys know Scorsese is known for his arduous editing process with his frequent collaborator Thelma Shoemaker. Despite wrapping the film last September, the $200 million Killers of the Flower Moon apparently won't be ready in time for the Oscar season, according to sources. Instead, it's now rumored to be eyeing a big 2023 festival debut at Cannes, Venice, or another event. Mm, very interesting. I mean, we've been talking about this thing for two years. Yeah, well, it's well, literally felt like like a couple months after The Irishman. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's been, just been crazy. forever. Yeah. Well, Apple doesn't seem to be too bothered by the delay, though, because as Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio are working more together right now, they have boarded a new project together 
together at uh, Apple Original Films. Okay. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is attached to star in a Scorsese directed adaptation of a New Yorker journalist, David Grant's upcoming nonfiction book, The Wagger, a title of shipwreck, multiny, and murder for Apple. The film, uh, set in the 1740s, uh, will watch as a British naval ship, the Wagger, is wrecked in on a, a desolate island off of the tip of South America, uh, with the captain and crew then struggling to survive and maintain order while battling not only the most extreme elements, but their own human natures. Fucking shit. Cannibalism? Like, what? Right? That sounds like Castaway, but with a whole crew. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, or like fucking... Um, the one where the kids get fucking left on an island. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, I'll think about it later. Yeah. We'll think Lord of the it. Flies? Lord of the Flies. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, this one, all right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey is set to star in Dallas Sting, the fact-based story of how a group of Dallas high school girls headed to China in 1984 as the ultimate underdog and ended up beating some of the best women's soccer teams from China, Australia, and Italy. Carrie Skolgoat is attached to direct the film developed by Skydance and Burr. Lanty Shedder Productions. Apple, which has an overall deal with Skydance, is expected to close a deal for the film before production begins this fall in New Orleans. Mm. Now, McConaughey will play Bill Kinder, the coach who led the ragtag group of Texas teens toward a Rocky-esque destiny long before the U.S. women's national soccer team achieved worldwide popularity and their Olympic and World Cup dominance. That's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, guys, that is our freaking industry news. We got woo! through it, man. Oh, man. We told you. If, we're, if they're talking about it, we're talking about it. It's exactly, like, exactly. But now it's time for our top five segment. And this week it is top five showbiz documentaries. Yes. Man, oh, man, there's so much going down in Hollywood. And I love to do behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, for me, number five goes to side-by-side uh, Keanu Reeves' documentary about film versus digital. I think it's a beautiful thing because you get to – like basically uh fucking diagnose like the differences and the similarities and the directors you get all the um the interviews from these directors who constantly only use one or the other or mix it up uh back and forth and i think it's kind of funny too because while keanu reeves was making this documentary he was going through like role changes and shit so every time you see him he's got like a whole different look fast Um, i think that's hilarious but it's a really inspiring and really informative documentary that i think a lot of up-and-comers should watch especially if you're trying to make the move behind the camera yeah my number five is the same and i think they do a really brilliant job of giving you the pluses and minuses of both shooting on film and digital and and the differences in like what 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 is what can digital do that film can't what can film do that digital can't and they do a really good job of breaking that down because i think the average person has no fucking idea yeah (laughs) i completely agree it's really informative yeah like we said be sure to check that one out Number four for me is Chasing Happiness. It's the Jonas Brothers documentary that is on Amazon Prime. Uh, be sure to check that one out because it's very – it lets you inside their lives and why they broke up for the first time and all of that different shit. It basically uh, – it showed you like how they got started too um, and especially you know breaking into the entertainment industry and 
they were actually Disney didn't discover them. They were already signed to a label before Disney discovered them. And then the trials and tribulations of all that. And their dad was actually a pastor. And because what they wanted to do, the church completely casted out their family because of what they wanted to do, even though they weren't making like fucking like hardcore devil music. <laughs> like they weren't doing any of that. They just <laughs> they didn't like the attention. Mm, they didn't like the attention that the boys got from the female audience. That was the biggest thing. So it's a very interesting and informative documentary to show like where they came from, where they are now and how they got there. So I thought it was very informative. Very cool to see. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not know that. So there you go. Uh, my number four is a decade under the influence. And if you guys have been paying attention to our production company and things that we're working on, you'll know we're working on a series called the Raven's vision. And one of the main characters in there very much would fall into this category and would love this documentary. A decade, a decade under the influence talks about new Hollywood as it was termed. And I'm talking about the 1970s and it dives deep into filmmakers like, uh, Bogdanovich and Scorsese and Dennis Hopper and, 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 and these all these young guys that were changing the scope, uh, you know, Peter Fonda and like all changing the way things were done, deemed the new Hollywood where it was very much story driven. And, and it's a brilliant fucking documentary that talks about the transition away from the golden age of Hollywood and the studio system and all that and handing it over to basically these hippie filmmakers that were telling stories that had never been done before. And um, I fucking love it. I, it's, it's for me, it, it, that's what it's all about. Story driven, dialogue driven film where it, where you're like, like, and, and this is a, just a brilliant documentary that goes into some of my favorite filmmakers, a young Scorsese, a young Dennis Hopper, a young Peter Bogdanovich. And, uh, it's just, it's a fucking amazing. If you want to know new Hollywood, check out this thing, a decade under the influence. It's fantastic. For sure, man. For sure. Number three for me goes to, uh, it's a YouTube documentary, and you can go back and watch. It's like a documentary series. Hmm. Um, Dancing with the Devil. It's about Demi Lovato and basically how, remember, she almost died a couple years ago. Yeah. And basically her coming to grips with her addiction, her family life. Um, Apparently she was raped when she was coming up in Disney and her Camp Rock days. And apparently it's somebody very prolific that she will still not release the name. Mm. But, you know, it's still just all of these questions. And you try to go back and think about her career and different things like that. But then it, like, gets into um, basically – covid and how that dealt with her mental health and all of these different things i thought it was very interesting because she was once on top of the world especially in my generation so i thought that was it's interesting to see how fame affected her the way it did and how hollywood took advantage of her the way it did because like we've talked about before hollywood also has a really dark side and this definitely exposes that so that's why i enjoyed it so did she hint at that it's an actor or an executive she she didn't really like she very stayed very like gray about that situation i mean because fuck if it's an actor and it was during that time i know mm, i know it could be about your other (laughs) i know yikes okay um yeah that's kind of scary right Uh, okay. Jumping in. My number three is they'll love me when I'm dead. Mm. Now, this is a brilliant documentary that takes a stark look at the unfinished film, the last film of the late great Orson Welles. Now, when the, when this documentary came out, 
They were also working on completing that film. They shouldn't have. The fucking film sucked. It should have just left it alone. Orson Welles was not there to finish it. They shouldn't have tried to finish it. It fucking sucked. But the documentary about the film and the making of the film, and you see a young Peter Bogdanovich and all these different kinds of people going into it, fucking brilliant documentary i watched this documentary and i got all fucking pumped to watch the movie oh my god they're gonna finish it yeah i fell asleep through the i couldn't get fucking through the movie it's <laughs> very weird you see like this lady getting undressed in the back of the car and then like it flashes to another thing and then it flashes to another it's, thing like uh, it's not really a story it's a lot of visual images for like an hour and a half two hours yeah so while the documentary is brilliant and true we love orson wells when he's dead right like we loved him then but even more so when he's dead, not not the movie. Not the movie. Don't watch the unfinished movie, but watch the documentary. Yeah. They'll love me when I'm dead. It's fucking. I feel like you get enough of the movie mm-hmm. without having to watch the fucking disaster movie. Exactly. You, if you want to see his unfinished film and have appreciation for it, watch the documentary for sure, and then stop. Just just watch. Yeah, that. don't don't move forward. <laughs> Please don't. Um, number two for me goes to the iconic fucking rap beef of, I feel like, the whole culture. And that is Tupac and mm. Biggie. How that basically, it didn't even start with them. It started with fucking Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, as we know him now, Sean Diddy Combs, and fucking Suge Knight. How it started with them and the the beef between the two record labels and the two productions and basically how it interwoven into these two artists' lives and basically pit them against each other because they were actually friends way before all this happened. Made some great music out of the beef, don't get me wrong, but they both unfortunately lost their lives because of it. And we all know how entertainment affects people and how it brings things out of people that isn't necessarily good all the time. And that's what happened with both of them first with Tupac passing and then like a couple months or a year later, it was Biggie. So it was just such a tragic event. But it's good to learn the backstory about it because at one point in time, like I said, they were friends. And it could have all been prevented if it wasn't for fucking assholes. So it is what it is. But yeah, it's a very influential and uh, informative documentary about that time in the 90s and the East versus the West and the rap game and all of these different things. So that's why I had to make my list. No, and it's a fucking brilliant documentary because you hear about the war, Mm -hmm. you know, all the time. And and there's so much fictionalized bullshit about the war. Yeah. You know, and so to get a documentary that actually dove deep into the reality of the situation and what was going on between these two was needed, in my opinion. It wasn't just something that was entertaining, but it was needed to clear up the fucking yeah. like bullshit. They were both used as pawns, basically. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, and and it's sad for like I, I don't know just how it all ended up. It, it's just sad. Um. Okay. So my number two, the kid stays in the picture. Uh I just watched this. I got really excited about watching this because we just finished up the offer, which was, you know, obviously about the making of The Godfather and Robert Evans, the golden boy, the guy that headed up uh, Paramount Pictures at the time. This is a documentary about him. The kid stays in the picture. Now, that line, that title, comes from something that was actually said when Robert Evans was just getting started in the industry and he was an actor. And he was cast in this film about a bullfighter 
And the people behind it were like, no fucking way. I'm not working with him. He does. He's not even, you know, he does not even the right race. This guy is never going to pull it off. And Daryl Zanuck, the head of the studio at the time that was in charge of the picture, said, hey, enough of that fucking shit. The kid stays in the picture or or we're dropping it all. And so he basically forced these big name stars to deal with this kid taking the lead role. And that's where the title comes from. And it's very funny because Robert Evans said that that's when he knew, Jesus, I maybe I'm not the great actor, but I know who I want to be now. I want to be that fucking guy. I want to be the guy that says the kid stays in the fucking picture and the rest is history. He went on to not only model himself after Daryl Zunick, but past Daryl Zunick and become the <laughs> definitive uh, studio head at Paramount who ran off such massive hits as Love Story and The Godfather and so many more. And it's a brilliant fucking documentary about it. And he dives deep into the mistakes that he made afterwards and the downward spiral that he went through and then kind of his resurgence towards the end. Um, give, it a, give it a watch. And it's also a fucking great book that goes into much more detail than even the documentary. So check that out as well. The kid stays in the picture. Yes, for sure, man, for sure. Well, number one for me is kind of just like this combination of all of these different things. And I think, you know, Disney Plus is doing it really freaking well right now. So I had to put just all of it. And I'm talking about the behind-the-scenes documentaries of the Marvel TV shows and the Star Wars TV shows. They're fucking brilliant, man. I mean, it gets you so excited. It gives you so much information about all of all, all these things come together. I absolutely loved watching the one with Mandalorian and just about you know, Pedro Pascal and how there's actually three different Mandalorians. You have your sharpshooter, you have your action guy, and of course you have Pedro. And just all of these different things, I think Disney is doing, they're making documentaries exciting again. And they're putting out documentaries that I feel like if you're not into murder porn, basically, they're putting out documentaries that you want to see because a lot of documentaries now are basically about murder and crimes and that type of stuff. But it's really good to see documentaries about positive things and not fucking sex cults and like all this different stuff. So I think they're doing an amazing job. They got a couple of different ones, not only the Marvel and Star Wars stuff, but they have stuff about, you know, the pop culture, iconic fucking set pieces from their historical movies like Mary Poppins, Pirates of the Caribbean, the list goes on and on. So you can watch that and just a whole bunch of other stuff, Disney archives and it's amazing. So yeah. if you have Disney Plus, be sure to check out their documentaries. Uh, it's beautiful. Well, the one that got me really excited and then made me start watching all the Marvel and Star Wars ones was the making of Frozen 2, yeah. which was freaking so detailed yeah. and phenomenal about this journey to get that film made. You don't realize how many fucking people. We're talking hundreds, if not thousands of people that are needed to make these animated films and the process that they have to go through and the amount of years that they go through to get this thing done. Yeah, they're doing a brilliant job with it. And I love it because you need to see what goes in. These are the people you never stay and watch yeah. at the end credits, right? But the people responsible for making all of the magic happen. So these type of detailed documentaries that give you a glimpse into the world of those people are fucking epic. And I agree with you. I think Disney's just doing a fantastic job. Um, my number one is for me the definitive look 
at the golden age of Hollywood, the studio system, and all of what was right about it, all of what was wrong about it, and what we've learned from it, and maybe some of the things that we have yet to learn from it. Um, and what's scary is, you know, you're talking about Demi Lovato and the, and the dark side of Hollywood uh, and, you know, the, the potential of her being raped. And then we're talking about Marilyn Monroe and we know that details a graphic rape scene and everything. This dives into the, the just abuse at the hands of Louis B. Mayer of Judy Garland and during the, the, the Wizard of Oz days and how he would treat his women stars back in the day. And it's just something that I feel like is still unfortunately rampant today and we haven't learned. So that's an example of what we haven't learned from. But this is basically MGM When the Lion Roars is like a, I think it was a three-part, two hours each documentary series hosted by Patrick Stewart, who, oh my God, I love his narration throughout the whole thing, of the look at how Louis B. Mayer uh, built MGM and, and Irving Thalberg, his golden boy of which, of course, you know, the last tycoon is based on all um, and how they 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 built this studio system and basically became the the studio that everybody wanted to emulate, that everybody wanted to be in Hollywood and how the the, the studio system worked back in the day um, and how it inevitably collapsed because of the way it was and, and, and the things that that just were not sustainable and couldn't be kept and why the actors wanted to get out of being these contract players and 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 different type things um it's a very very like awesome documentary that takes a really stark look at the good and bad of it all but what i really enjoyed about it not just patrick stewart's narration throughout it all but you get so many glimpses into all these classic films and like the footage and the behind the scenes footage and never before seen footage from the mzm vault that was just like uh, it's unreal. It's amazing. They even talk about the logo and the line and how that came about and everything. Just really, really fantastic. If you're interested in the golden age of Hollywood and want to know how it all kind of started, I highly recommend if you can find it, MGM The Lion Roars. For sure, man. For sure. Well, we want to know what is your favorite show business documentary. Be sure to leave a comment below in the YouTube section or add us on Twitter or yes. on the podcast. Man, oh man, now it's time for the box office recap. Nope came in at number one with $44.4 million. Number two was Thor Love and Thunder with $22.6. Minions came in at number three with The Rise of Gru with $18 million. The uh, When There Where the Crawl Dad Sang came at number four for $10.4 million. And Top Gun came in at number five with $10.3 million. Uh, new movies coming out this week are the DC League of Super Pets, Vengeance, uh, 13 Lives, Resurrection, The Reef Stalked. Um, oh. So, yeah, a couple of different <laughs> things at select theaters near you, possibly. Um, and movies you can still go see, of course, are Elvis, Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hanks. Wow, that one didn't even stay in the top yeah, ten. Yeah, no, That's that crazy. dropped right out. Um, the Black Phone, Jurassic World Dominion, and Miss Harris Goes to Paris. Mm, the Black Phone, too, dropped right out. It Scary. did. It did. Well, IMDb Pro's top trending segment, The Gray Man, is at number one. Um, you know, a lot of people were talking about it, and then, of course, the sequel being announced. Yep. The top trending TV show is Stranger Things, by no surprise, and the top trending show is 
or the top trending star is Millie Bobby Brown. It only makes sense, man. It only of makes course. Sense. Everybody's talking about it, and that shit's fucking going crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, guys, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 204 Woo! this week. We appreciate you for sticking through and getting a little crazy with us. Be sure to follow the company on social media at Crazy Ant Media. You can also follow the podcast at ItCap Podcast on social media. And you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media. Myself at JLo Fantastic and at Crazy Ant Guy 1970. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more and if you're watching this video on youtube we appreciate you be sure to hit that like button on the video subscribe to the channel and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications yes. and comment below say hi let us know what you thought and what was your favorite story about the entertainment news but man oh man this week was absolutely amazing be sure to visit our website www.crazyamedia.com where you start rocking the latest greatest crazy media gear and check out our film for free now yes so that's amazing but Phase 4, Phase 5, and Phase 6, I'm super freaking pumped for Marvel. Yes, the multiverse saga. Yes. Uh, I simply cannot. Everybody was worried about it. Uh, yeah. Phase 4, eh. Now they're fucking pumped. I mean, it was kind of the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Everybody knew they were building towards Secret Wars. But now that it's definitive, yeah. now that we know, and we just, oh my God, I'm so... I can't even tell you how excited I I was making the joke and but I'm joking but I'm also serious. I die when Feige dies cuz I refuse to not see all any of these Marvel movies. I cannot die until Feige is gone and I know it's done. That's how, it's just how it's going to be. I mean, it's the greatest thing ever to be in this era as a comic book geek. Right. Like I just can't even. And then of course Maryland being a lifelong Maryland just that has me so excited just I really enjoyed all the news in this week. It, it was yeah. a lot of really fantastic news. And Batfleck! And Batfleck! It's not done yet! No, sadly. <laughs> not yet. Man, oh man. Someone who will never be done, and we die never. Um, but we love her. She is the one, the only, Oprah! Oprah!